Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 2 is entitled, Trust in the Lord. It is the new year. Time for resolutions. I cannot think of a better way to start the new year than with a message of hope. In this podcast, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm turning this podcast over to my wife, and at my invitation, she is going to tell part of her story. Linda and I were married in the year 2000, following my first wife's death from cancer. Linda has seven children. I have six. We have a baker's dozen with 43 grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. This vignette is from her autobiography, Ye Daughters of Zion, Trust in the Lord. Linda does not like the public eye, but she has an amazing story to tell, and hopefully I will be successful in getting her to share future stories of inspiration as well. Let me begin with her favorite scripture. Proverbs 3, 5-6 Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I shall add to that one of my favorite poems from one of my favorite American authors, Emily Dickinson. Hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea Yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. I think you will be able to tie both the scripture and the poem to Linda's own life. Her story, though different, is all too familiar. Faith has two famous children, Miracle and Hope. Without their mother Faith, daughters Miracle and Hope would never be born. If the mother is Faith, then the father is Tribulation. At the birth of her seventh child, when Linda was barely out of the hospital, her husband abandoned her and his children and sought happiness elsewhere, leaving her with seven children to raise alone under the age of ten, without child support, without an education, without a means of support, and without hope. In my life, I have experienced times when I felt a total lack of hope. When I was left with seven young children to raise on my own, I was terrified. I didn't have the skills or the education needed to support them with the physical necessities of life, and I felt empty spiritually. I decided that if I exercised faith in God and moved forward, doing the best I could with what I had, my Heavenly Father would bless me with the miracles I needed. I had always tried to be obedient and serve Him so I was confident that he would bless my little family. Actually, the opposite happened. Everything that could possibly go wrong did. Everything broke down, the furnace, the car, the refrigerator, the lawnmower, and the list could go on and on. We were faced with significant illnesses, 
There was no child support, no income or hope for income. How could I pay daycare for seven children, the oldest just nine years old? It wasn't a matter of months, but of years. The challenges were insurmountable. As I faced my uncertain future, I learned a great deal about hope. First, I learned that faith comes first. One must exercise faith to find hope. No matter how difficult things are, a loving, kind Father in Heaven will strengthen us and help us. He doesn't remove the obstacles, but He does shape us and teach us. He cares about the details of our lives and will help us to find solutions for all obstacles. I learned that God's ways are always superior to mine, and that is where hope comes in. If I am willing to submit my will to His, all issues will be resolved, all necessities, even comforts provided for, and I will find joy in serving Him all my days. When there is hope in God, what is there to fear? As a single parent, I was not able to give my children any money for allowances and had no idea where the money had come from to purchase my birthday gift. The package was very large and obviously not the little homemade gifts that my children usually gave me for my birthday. They had wrapped the gift in newspaper. They could hardly contain their excitement, and I didn't think they could hold out until my birthday. When the day arrived, they woke me early and insisted that I open the gift. I removed the paper quickly with their assistance. I discovered that the box contained a case of light bulbs. Kyle, my six-year-old, was jumping up and down yelling, Now we won't have to move the light bulb. We will be able to see in every room. At that moment, acknowledging the eighth, Deep inside, I turned to my Heavenly Father. So often things were too much for me to handle. My life was made up of a fabric of a strange weave, despair, fear, joy, and peace. Each thread intermingled to create a product that was strong, but with joy just out of reach. I truly had learned to live by the code, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I had learned that my Heavenly Father would always be there for me, regardless of the situation. I talked to him all the time, in my mind as I functioned in daily duties, as well as often on my knees during time of frequent trauma. It was all like a strange dream. Journal Entry, January 7, 1982 I didn't do well today. I blew up with my children. My water pipes are still frozen and my back aches. I have had a hard time with arthritis lately. I want to be a good mother, but it is such a struggle alone. I have not felt physically well lately. I must be low on iron. I need to go to the doctor but money is so short. Journal Entry January 28, 1982 The pressure and weight I feel on my shoulders are so great. All of my children's grades dropped way down. 
The quarreling at home has increased tenfold. I am tired, and yet at the same time I know I am doing what I am supposed to do at this time. I love my Heavenly Father and will fight on. Financially, I am not doing well. I am out of food and have no money. I can't keep up with my homework. I am so tired. Journal Entry, February 12, 1982 I just spent some time on my budget. After I pay my house payment, utilities, insurances, $5 on every medical bill, babysitting, and gas for school, I have about $5 left to buy food and also live on. I don't know how I will ever make it. I will always be amazed by my financial situation during those years. I did not make enough to pay my bills, let alone feed my family and keep us warm, and yet we made it. If you look at how much I made, you would find that it was not even close to how much I expended, and we had no other source of income. Sometimes others would give us small amounts of money to help us, a kind note with $25 in it, etc. My parents would occasionally give me $100 here and $50 there, but more often they would buy an appliance to replace the one that was broken or bring meat and produce for us to eat, things that were totally outside of our budget. We didn't ask for welfare, and maybe I should have, but somehow I didn't even consider applying. The thought never entered my mind. The facts attest, however, we did make it through and were blessed with miracle after miracle. And because of the miracles, I began to hope, hope that things would be better in our future. Guilty feelings caused discord within, which was my constant companion. But I did begin to learn to live with a world that was far less perfect than I had hoped for. As my youthful perceptions of reality began to fade, I developed a kind of inner determination. I would move forward and find peace, joy, and security. I was willing to submit for the present that I might have a more perfect future for myself and my children. Journal Entry March 2, 1982 My power bill tripled to $200 and I have turned off my furnace. I just cannot pay these high utilities. Tomorrow will be a better day. Journal Entry March 4, 1982 I hate it when my tiny boys ask, Why doesn't Dad live here anymore? I am behind and can't seem to catch up, but still feel well physically. Journal Entry, May 2, 1982 It has been a nice day, but there just aren't enough hours in the day. Kyle and Daniel went to their dad's house this weekend. They came home and talked about how much more food they have than we do. I hope someday they will understand. Journal Entry, May 6, 1982 I am so behind. My car broke down. My clothes dryer started sending out smoke signals, and I don't care. I have seven wonderful children, and physical things don't matter. When I met Linda, her children were grown. Linda first provided for her family by holding daycare in her home. 
it was impossible to support her family on such a small income, so she decided to get an education. While working, she began college. She earned her bachelor's degree and began teaching school. During that time, she earned a master's degree. With her new credentials, she became a principal, and from there she was approached by the dean of faculty from the local college. She was hired. She went on to earn a Ph.D. and became chairman of her department. She did not take out student loans, and she did not go into debt. Her office was just down the hall from mine, but I was unaware of her. Following my wife's death, my best friend introduced me to Linda. I learned then firsthand how she survived. A person of remarkable faith, she does not accept failure. She breaks every task down into bits and chips away one part at a time until it is completed, even though she may be tackling 20 tasks simultaneously. It is a habit she still follows, though in her 70s. So let me end this podcast as it begins with the scripture in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. After over twenty years observing Linda, she embodies that scripture. She has taught it to me by example. The weight of the words in the phrase, He shall direct thy paths. First, how does the Lord direct thy paths? Direct suggests that he doesn't direct from behind you, and he doesn't direct from in front of you. He directs your path beside you. Perhaps a sudden thought arises in your mind. Perhaps you wake up in the middle of the night with an answer to a prayer or problem. Perhaps he whispers in your ear through the still small voice of the Holy Ghost. However, he manages it. The peace that comes with the answer is the confirmation. Thy path suggests that you must chart a course yourself before you take the journey. He works with you, not for you. He is your partner, not your slave. He gave you eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to feel, and a mind that you may apply logic and discover mysteries. He knocks, but you must open the door. He guards your agency. He does not take it away. He sees through your artificial wants and addresses himself to your desires. You meet the needs of the present. He sees the needs of the future. Think of that as you enter into the new year. We must first chart our path. The Lord joins us on the path and directs us to turn this way or that, often contrary to what we had planned. The agency is in us charting our own course. The rewards of humility are in submitting our will to God when it goes contrary to our own opinion. Trust and humility are virtues who are also children of faith and sisters to hope. Notice what precedes the act of the Lord directing thy path. 1. You charting the course. 2. Faith. 3. Trust. 4. Humility. And 5. Hope. And then, of course, there is the inimitable Hemley Dickinson, who has the poetic gift of personifying abstractions. In the first line, hope is a thing with feathers. Hope is nondescript. It is unrecognizable. You don't hear its music until it perches in the soul. But once it has placed in the soul, the wordless tune is ceaseless. The song is wordless because it is a feeling, not a sermon. It doesn't appeal to the brain. It appeals to the heart. The fact that the song is endless shows that even in despair, the song doesn't die. In fact, the song is sweetest in the gale. It would take a monstrous storm to silence the little bird. I like the image little. Have you ever seen a small bird 
in a tree during a storm, face the wild winds. Yet its tune is clear. It gives off a warm feeling even in the chillest land. It also gives off a warm feeling when you are in uncharted waters or on the strangest sea. Birds are always hungry, but hope is of a different sort. Compared to a small bird, hope does not ask for anything in return. In the words of Alexander Pope, Hope springs eternal in the human breast. Man never is, but always to be blessed. Linda and I wish you a happy new year. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.